0: Welcome to Moving Target, my Rockman exclusive. Joining me today is somebody I'm very excited to speak with. That I've really been enjoying her work on Twitter and in kind of her perspectives around this entire COVID illusion all the way into the Great Reset. And that is Bernie's tweets. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to speak with you, Bernadette. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. But only my mother calls me Bernadette, and only when I'm badly behaved. Most people call me Bernie. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Yeah. I I think a lot of my audience is going to be very familiar with your work. Not even just because I continue to point at the at your perspectives around what's going on and how you're kind of cataloging and showing the lies throughout the process, but just because you have grown pretty prominent throughout this process on your account. And so I wanted to kind of just start and maybe for those that haven't seen your work and what you've been doing, introduce yourself to them and and let us know about your background and, and you know what what you did before all of this and how this has kind of changed you know, at least what you've been doing on social media and so on. So introduce yourself to my audience, if, they, if uh, for those that don't know.
1: So um, I'm Bernie. I have an account called Bernie's Tweets, which I didn't actually manage to gain all of those followers on my own. I had lots of support from lots of very big accounts out there. Um, and my background has been in business. So everything I come at, I come at from a problem-solving perspective. If this is the problem how did we how How did we solve that problem? And um, right from the beginning of my career, I was aware that there was a huge amount of big corporation manipulation of government policy often mm-hmm. that it was not to the benefit of the consumer and wasn't to the benefit of the citizen and if and if we I, I didn't really do much on social media at all, probably before. Brexit, actually. Mm. And then I came at it from that perspective, which was we had this huge uh, argument in the UK between people who wanted to remain in what had, to me, become um, a a place that had stopped our own sovereignty. You know, you Mm. could vote for anybody, but actually you couldn't vote on the very fundamental things because the decision had already been made by someone that you couldn't vote for. So I had a problem with that fundamentally. And at the time of Brexit in the UK, the the division was enormous, but it was mostly between people who had ideology, but actually had no real understanding of how it would impact them and how it wouldn't impact them. And if you look at somewhere like the UK, You know, 99% of all businesses here are considered small, which means they employ under 200 people. They're cleaners, they're mechanics, they're hairdressers. They don't care about the EU. They don't get anything from the EU. But the noise was being made by the minority. And and so I kind of took a very business-type perspective on that. I invest in businesses. I floated a company on Nasdaq, I'm employed by private equity companies to turn companies around and grow them. And I've dealt all over the world. So if I don't have a realistic or informed business impression, then I shouldn't be doing my job.
0: Right. Yeah, the the Brexit overlap. I mean, it's such an interesting point to make in regard to the the like discussing the World Economic Forum, the WHO, and the new pandemic accord, and kind of this removal of the the, the nation's sovereignty. That that's an earlier discussion of the same kind of thing, you know, or like the the change of that to remove it from a individual nation state to something yes. that's more broad, and we can see that happening on a global scale right now. So it's a really interesting starting point. But um, well, for, uh,
1: for most people, for most people in the UK. It was the starting point, because once they stripped out the EU, they actually did believe that they would get a say through their MPs on very important things like agriculture policy, like um, the policies of taxation. Um, And they didn't. The curtain was drawn back. And then we saw, well, hold on a minute. There's all these other organizations that we didn't vote for either. And these are very powerful organizations. And, And if you look at what's happened here, specifically in the UK, we outsourced our talent. You know, 30 years ago when we gave up to the EU, we outsourced our talent in government. And so they all went to work for big private corporations. That's where the talent is. Right. You know, you've got MPs who've never done anything except you know, work in PR or they've come up through the political universities, they've gone into being an MP and they have no clue how anything works. And then they're spoken to by these very intelligent, brilliant business people and they're bamboozled. And that's where we end up being led by the nose.
0: Well, well, it's interesting to think about the, so you're talking about the Brexit situation to leading to where we are today can you paint us a picture for how that led to the choices that are we're seeing today in regard to the agri- the food and energy crises and were these choices that were made from that point to today that allowed this to be what's happening today in your opinion uh,
1: no, no because when you drew back the curtain of brexit actually we had bilateral and international agreements all over the world that no one had any idea about mm-hmm. and so Although in the UK, there are certain things that we can do uh, in terms of our own agriculture policy, for example, it all seems to be being driven by agreements that we've signed with the UN and now with the WEF. You know, you go onto the .gov uh, portal and you can see in partnership with the WEF, well, no one voted for them, and, and and if you look at our general election that we had a couple of years ago, as you know, um, the manifestos were all the same: mm-hmm. the net zero, the climate change, the fourth industrial revolution were all the same. And so our last our last general election was basically about Brexit. That was it.
0: Right. No one cared right.
1: about anything else. And and underneath all of that, these decisions have been taken that say okay, we're having a climate emergency um, and this is how we're going to fix it. What they didn't tell anyone was how much poorer they were going to be in the process of fixing something that doesn't exist.
0: Right, right. While, while blaming anything under the sun, including Putin and Ukraine for exactly what they say they had otherwise want to accomplish. It's very weird and confusing. Always,
1: but they were always going to do that. They were always right. going to do that. You know, two years ago when we started two and a half years ago, this whole um, lockdown process, which I was vehemently against by May 2020, when I understood some of the statistics that that, that were coming out, I was venomously against that. And I think that the government was uh, stunned at how quickly everybody did as they were told. They all fell in line. And as they fell in line, and I don't know whether you've read a fantastic book by uh, Laura Dodsworth. Um, on our government's nudge unit, that, that the policies coming out of government were to force people to behave. And once they did, and once they saw how easy that was, then some of these other Agenda 2030 proposals and the SDG rubbish that's coming out were very easy then to, to implement. And I spoke about it at the time on Twitter and to varying people to say, look, the way you keep people in their homes, the way you regulate what they do, the way you regulate how they can how, how they transact is to bring in some form of vaccine passport. And then they did. And so a lot of us have been telegraphing, what's the problem? What's the solution? And, and, we, and we can see exactly what these organizations are bringing in. Which to government is brilliant, by the way, because how do you sell this to the public? How do you sell it to the public in America? It's easy. We can lower crime. We can lower your taxes. Yeah, we can get you cheaper health care. All you have to do is carry a digital ID. and Oh, look, you'll be helping the planet. And they'll sign up in their millions.
0: I'm muted. And none of those things are actually accurate or true, which I'm sure you've seen throughout the process that those things aren't actually, you know, becoming the reality. And before before we go further, I'd like let's take a step back. I want to get into all this stuff with you, the passport and all this. But going back to the beginning of of when this started for you, because you were just touching on that, you know, like the you made an interesting point there as well, like that. You can see that these choices that were being made and how quickly people through fear bought into them or not choices, but rather mandates are being set down and people buying into them it opened the door in their minds to them. Hey, maybe we should drive in the big agenda today. I mean, that, that's a possible line of thought you can see there that makes sense that that's why this seems to be continuing because maybe they thought it was the time to do it because people were willing. But so when this first started for you in, in the beginning of the COVID-19 discussion, where were you at with your social media and what were you doing at that time? And how did this change what you began to do? If at all, if, if it did the beginning of the COVID-19 discussion.
1: I think that I had spoken to a, a, very, a very good friend of mine and we had discussed if you were going to control the world, how would you do it? It, it, it wasn't a conspiracy theory. It was just a board and walking around a field. What would happen if this carried on? Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it was about how do you solve the problem of social care? Well, the way you solve the problem of social care is that you, you, you bring back intergenerational living. How do you bring back intergenerational living if everybody is going to work in the city? Well, what you do is you stop them going to work in the city. How do you do that? Well, you tell them all to stay at home, and then you pay them to look after their elderly, and then you pay them to look after their children. And then you telegraph it three years from now, and now you've got, Towns have vibrant towns again because no one's working in the city. Mothers look after children, and grandparents live with mothers and fathers, and you've got intergenerational living, you've got less travel, you've spread the wealth across the country. This is what I'm thinking they're thinking. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um but then, of course, as it carried on. And I understood that now what they were going to do was was really try very hard to regulate business for our own good. So that very large companies would control how products moved, how food moved, what you would eat, when you would eat. Well, then it all became very sinister Mm -hmm. because then, yes, I did think it was about control. It it was about social care. And I still believe that today. Um, Now you've got people in their little enclaves and they're out of the cities. The only way to control them now is via the Internet and via their passports, telling them when they can move and when they can't. Now, that might not happen. Uh, We might not get there. There might be far too many people that rebel against that. But if you look at the triggers, the Carbon footprint, the banks buying into the personal carbon footprint. Then it doesn't take a great leap of the imagination to say you can only drive on a Wednesday,
0: right? They've even also already proposed the concept from from people directly associated with the sustainable development, de- 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 excuse me, sustainable development goals in the UN about you know when they might need to do it, a climate lockdown and discussing exactly that, restricting driving, stopping you from eating red yeah. meat, like very invasive, very alarming type of things. But you mentioned the the UK care discussion. You have any thoughts on the the idea of there was a couple different points to be made. I, I think it was, was medazolam and then remdesivir in the use of these things in regard to these care situations or the um, do not resuscitate orders. And do you have any thoughts on how that played a role in, in the beginning of this and why that might have happened specifically in the UK?
1: I think that is a different conversation from the conversation of the general what we do in 20 years about all our old people, which is where I think Mm. the direction of travel is. What happened in care homes at the beginning, I genuinely think everything that happened was a gigantic screw up. Mm. It's just a gigantic mess. I, I honestly do believe that. Do I believe the drugs were given to old people? I don't know. We do put people in the UK on something called the Liverpool pathway, which people denied for many years, which is the withholding of end of life food and drink to make people pass quicker. I mean, that that is a known thing in the UK. Um, Do I believe that was done at the beginning of this? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. There were so many lies told at the beginning. I mean, we had this massive shortage of PPE in the UK. That was a complete lie. It Mm -hmm. was a complete lie, because I got some. And I couldn't give it away. I couldn't give it to care homes. I couldn't give it to the NHS. It was just massively politicized right. to try and make the Tory party look like idiots. Well, they didn't need to be made to look any more idiotic than they already did. Um, I just think, I honestly believe that whatever happened in those first months was
0: just chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to your point, it, it's very, very politicized. So even it can be both, right? Whether these are people just making politicized choices in the middle of a chaotic situation. And that's, st- I mean. And a simple, simple point to make, whether we're talking respirators or whatever else that, you know, as this progressed, there was a clear moment in there where it was obvious, even from within people in these positions where they weren't sure this was the right treatment and nobody cared to look back. And still to this day, still u- using these kind of things. And that shows you the politicization, even if it is a chaotic situation where they're just kind of guessing the way out of a paper bag. it's It's just disheartening to see that so many people suffered. And we're not even getting into like what I would argue the criminal actions were if, if it, 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 could, it potentially could just be malfeasance, you know, to is what, what you're discussing there. It's in it's insulting. But as we saw this happen. So now we're talking about the, the beginning of of the problem and the lies that were coming out. And, I, and people like you and, and honestly, I think anybody with an objective perspective were very quickly picking up on the fact that there was something wrong right? This wasn't adding up. There were lies being told. And so how did this begin for you? Were you being censored in the beginning? Was anybody pushing back on the thoughts you were having? Like how did, how did the process uh, begin in this illusion for you?
1: Yeah. I think, I think at the, be, I think at the beginning, a, a number of us were all lumped into being COVID idiots. <laughs> and, and, and there was some
0: it, very, the, didn't, didn't, was, didn't age very well. Is what I was going to say, so now you're they being possibly, proven to be right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Didn't actually age well. Um, And I always tried to take a very balanced line, a a very balanced line was that you have to weigh up the considerable financial damage you were doing in order to save granny, right? Mm. That was number one. And number two was if you sacrifice your children to save your elderly, you just destroyed your country, right? You just destroyed your country. And so my argument at the beginning was never anything to do with vaccines. It was never anything to do with treatment. It was if you make these choices to lock down, you do not bounce back. Right. And all of this bounce back nonsense or oh, we'll be fine when it's over was rubbish. It, you could never be fine when it was over if you printed that much money to save people's asses. And then what happened is that, you know, in, in the UK, I, I don't particularly know what the uh, proportionality is in the States. We have a huge proportion of people in the UK, in Wales and Scotland that work for the government in public sector. And regardless of what the government said, they were getting paid. Mm. So it was much better for them to sit at home and bake soda right. bread and go cycling and buy a peloton because they were getting paid. Right. But when you looked across, you know, we had three million people excluded in the UK that could not get any money at all. Actors, singers, anybody who'd set up a business recently got no financial um, assistance from the government. Hey at all. And nobody was on their side. So that was the position I took at the beginning was nobody is on these people's side, right? They cannot bounce back, you know, when we gave all those bounce back loans to people. Well, if your business has never made a profit or just enough profit to take home and, and pay for food in the month, how are you ever going to pay a bounce back loan? Oh, you're not going to pay it back. All right. So who's going to pay your loan back? Mm So I, I was so much more about, the financial implications, that would have a huge knock-on effect. And if you look, inflation was already ramping up in the UK at that time. Um, We printed money, we paid everybody furlough, and all they did was sit online and buy goods. Mm. We then had huge lockdowns in China that put up the price of freight. Once your freight price goes up, your landed cost for consumer goods goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also started seeing, thanks, Biden, that was a brilliant policy. Let's pay people <laughs> more to sit at home than we do to go and chop trees. So then packaging increased in price. So inflation was nothing to do with the war in Ukraine. Inflation right. was directly a result of worldwide lockdown. That That is the case.
0: So you feel, I mean, it's... just point blank, you feel that these were engineered actions that were meant to lead to what we had today, or that this was just malfeasance that ended up leading to the situation we see today?
1: I I think it was a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think governments were led by people with ulterior motives. So by the opportunists. Yes. So first of all, you have the political opportunists. Well, you're just doing a rubbish job. We'd lock down harder. And then you had the scientific opportunists and the farmer opportunists. And if you look at our government advisors, I mean, one of them is a member of the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. I'm not joking. So scientists are used to working under laboratory conditions and their bacteria does as it's told. Humans don't do that. So why you would ever ask for the advice of scientists on how to run your country is utterly beyond me. And then you have the business opportunists. So you have the tech giants and you have the NGOs. And I think they, I I believe, I, I know there are theories out there that say it was the beginning and they can trace everything back to everything ever written by Klaus Schwab. But, you know, I've read his book. Mm. It's a little bit like an A-level student, you know, it's kind of a bit university rubbish. Mm. Um, so no, I I, I don't, I, I don't think the start of COVID was the start of Agenda 30. What I think was that it was taken advantage of. There was by opportunists in, in all of those areas, pharma, tech, NGOs, climate evangelists. It was great. If you can control the people like that for that, then you can continue. And you can, like I said, any government is going to buy into we can help you uh, uh, pull in more tax revenue. Oh, that's a tick for a government, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We can lower crime. That's a selling point at your next general election. And 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 they've jumped onto all of this, all of this stuff, and, and we're just easily rounded up.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I, I I always pose that we should at least be open to the possibility, which I'm sure you are, that it could have been manufactured. But I think you're right. Nobody knows for sure at this point. And the obvious reality, as they've openly said throughout the history, throughout history is never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. And the idea that That's if
1: this happened.
0: Right. Right. And if this is something that was there or whether there's the possibility that this was a, you know, a, a construct of something that might have been less severe, that was used and bolstered with flu and pneumonia and fake PCR. To, you know, there's a lot of ways you could look at this. But either way, you can see that it was taken advantage of or used to drive into the situation we have now. So before we go into the part that I think I'm really interested in is, you know, where do you see the vaccine playing a role in the midst of all of this? Like, so how did that led to where we are today? And what are your thoughts on that and how it's going forward? Just a kind of a quick discussion about the the risks and what you see.
1: So this is a tricky, this is a tricky area for me. And it's Mm -hmm. one I don't tend to often get into Because, again, I think it's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I think they did think they had the Holy Grail. And then I think they oversold that. I think Pharma Mm -hmm. oversold that. But then why did the government make a decision to take it from the vulnerable all the way down? Well, I think part of me says, well, if everybody has had it, if, ever, if you got 100% of people to take the vaccine, then anything that happens can't be apportioned to the vaccine. If you only have a particular group who takes a vaccine, then they become a control group, don't they? Mm-hmm. And if all of those people break out in, I don't know, purple spots, then the common denominator is the vaccine. Right. So I think by this, by the time they got to the over-50s, and they might have been seeing some troubling signs... Well, now they had to carry on. They had to carry on. And the only way to carry on was to enforce those passports, because by then they knew they knew that you could get it again. It didn't stop transmission. And so what was the point of it?
0: Right. And and I'm sure you've seen the Israeli leak. Uh, Steve, Steve Kirch put out a, a report about this, about th- they're they are on the record, even on a video, caught discussing how they need to hide the information because they want to avoid lawsuits. Right. So again, whether or not it was a plan to be, to be like that or not. And I have my audience knows my thoughts about the possibilities there, but we can see that it led to where we are now. And that's the interesting part. And I'm glad you said that is that they just doubled, tripled down. Now, I guess my question would be, do you think that was entirely about the need for the vaccine passport that would then be the conduit to the digital ID landscape? Or was that, was there more to it than that? What are your thoughts?
1: I think it depends who was doing the pushing. Mm -hmm. So I think for the government's legal advisors, it was, ooh, you'd probably be better not to have some lawsuits. And if everyone was in the same boat, that might be easier. Mm -hmm. And then I think for the tech people, ooh, it would be really, really much easier to keep track of everybody if you had these vaccine passports. And then I think there were very stupid people who actually thought that would work. And Mm -hmm. you have all of these people in government. And if you look at the MPs who voted for that, it's staggering. It is staggering how few MPs would go against clear evidence that it would not stop the spread of COVID, even at the point where Omicron had come in, at the point where we knew it was milder they doubled down on the vaccine passport. So do I think there was interference from elsewhere? Yes. But do I think it had anything to do with COVID? No. I think Mm -hmm. it was just started, so we'll finish, and ooh, look what we can bring in on on the back of it. I mean, look, if you look at Tony Blair, he's been trying to push a digital ID on the UK for years. In 2015, he was blobbing on about it, and nobody was interested. Mm -hmm. Now... Oh, look how many signed up. How many people took that vaccine passport in the EU alone? 70 million in a four-month period. (laughs) 70 million people in a four-month period tracked, traced their number plates, their nationality, and their vaccine status. I mean, that's unbelievable. It is. And and I I believe it was those three things, opportunity, follow the money legally, and stupidity.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then you can see as you're, the point you made there that I hope people, everyone should be aware of is that there was a very clear point early on that the that the, the entire premise for why the passport was even there didn't make sense anymore. Yeah. If it didn't stop transmission, if there, you know, at, at the end of the day, this was simply cataloging who was doing what and when and it had no actual effect on the way that they were selling it. So to me, it becomes hard not to see that there was a, at least an ulterior motive like just being objective as possible. And so that then opens the door to all the things that you are really, and and that's one of the things I really am loving about your work lately is just this obvious what, and it's a combination by the way, and this is why I hope people will check out for your account is going back and finding old videos and old documents and things that they've said before and aligning it with their narrative today and what they're pushing. So this very clearly goes into the idea of a digital ID and how long this has been a push. So what are your thoughts on just the digital ID and, and, why you see that being a thing that they want. Why would they want us to have digital IDs in your perspective?
1: I think it's key. It's key to everything. And if you read back uh, and and you go back far, you go back the last 10, 15 years, they, it, it, these people, these NGOs in particular, um, and these government advisory bodies, they want to make life easy for the governments. And The technology wasn't there to do that previously. It is now. So you get all these warm and fluffy statements about every citizen of the planet deserves the right to be born with an identity. Why? Why? Why does a Peruvian horse trainer need a digital ID so that he can deal in euros one day if he travels to Italy? He doesn't. This is for cataloguing purposes. It's for data. If you look at the fourth industrial revolution, you are the data. And you know, people are stunned. They talk about the cloud. I'm like, it's not one of those fluffy things up there. Yeah, it's millions of feet of tin can in the middle of the Nevada desert where they have millions of servers. And currently, I know they track your information, but it's all done in silos, Nothing is centralized. I think you're muted.
0: Oh, excuse me. Thank you. I'm um, <laughs> I was. i I'm just pulling up some uh, of my previous last couple of shows in regard to this direction and how I see this building in a way the digital ID you know, kind of opening up the idea for this, this bioeconomy direction, you know, and I think that's where I see this going in a lot of alarming ways. And this, I just, I was, the, the executive order that Biden recently put out, you saw that in regard to the bioeconomy, yeah. biomanufacturing. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot, most of this would be impossible without introducing or bringing people into the idea of this digital identity and the, exactly. where it goes. So can you, can you talk about how you see that overlapping for me?
1: Nothing can happen without digital ID, absolutely nothing, because it will form the basis of what you are allowed to buy, what you are allowed to, where you're allowed to travel and what you're allowed to do, all sorts of, the problem they've always had before is people like me, people like you, right, we are a problem Mm -hmm. to all governments And, and there's millions of people like us i'm really average right there are millions of people like us who just will not behave and in order to force them to behave they're putting legislation through and this will drive you to digital id so for example one of the things people are talking about is um digital currency central bank digital currency and they can't push that through until everyone is on digital ID. So one of the things they might do, one of the things Biden might do is give you and give all families an allowance for energy, but it's only on digital currency. And you can right. down your $2,000 per year to pay for your energy, but you have to have a digital ID. Well, now everyone's doing it. Right. So uh, although... I know that lots of people think that the whole energy crisis is completely manufactured in order to push us there. I don't Mm. think that's entirely the case because markets will always run on short supply and Mm. and over supply. And, you know, I digress a moment, but. If you go and tell your supplier, look, we hate your product, it sucks, and we're not buying it in 10 years, is your supplier going to give you a better price, or is your supplier going to say, oh, it's in short supply now, your price has gone up, because that's the way I do my negotiations, right? Right. (laughs) So so I think that all the legislation coming out, you know, we have the online harms bill, we have the police and crime bill in the UK that says you can be arrested for thinking about a crime. (laughs) What? Wow! You no, know, and, and, and the same thing with biodiversity, all sorts of legislation coming in about uh, agriculture. I'm sure you've seen that the big push through some of these NGOs is for four food hubs, four global food hubs. Mm. That means that there'll be a hub in Europe, a hub in America, a hub in Africa and a hub in Asia. And every farmer must deliver their food to that hub. And unless you followed particular rules and regulations, your food, your grain, your milk isn't acceptable anymore so that everybody works in the same way on the whole planet. That's unbelievable. It's alarming. It's absolutely terrifying because you're killing entrepreneurialism, you're killing creativity and you're killing progress because you're shutting down any kind of debate
0: yeah. Well, there's a few ways to look at it, too, is you have you have the you have the impact it's going to have on the on the, the businesses, the farms the, and the industry. But you also have the alarming control over the food supply and how that forces in their already failed attempts of genetically modified organisms and food and all these different aspects that they've already failed on. And this is Which the
1: literally makes no sense. Right. Which literally makes no sense at all, because if your beef burger comes from a side of cow, I'm telling you that took a lot less raw material and energy to manufacture than some kind of veg cricket protein burger that's been through 162 different processes.
0: Right, right. Well, and this is that this is where I see the overlap right there of the bio direction is that if, you know, they're driving people in and to your point, by the way, that was what you, she was mentioning about the online safety bill and all these different things are driving you to the digital ID from different angles is that they drive you into a position where everybody's forced onto this. And then through that, your only way, like you're saying, accessible, you you know, they're doling out digital currencies to be able to use through that. It drives you into using a specific direction. And this will be the genetically modified foods, the genetic engineered medicines and whatever else right so you see and and that will eventually lead in my opinion to the idea of your personal biomaterial and how that's going to be used to better the human species and you you can see this very obvious painted direction and it all begins with getting everybody on that same digital id platform
1: that 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 is completely right and and you know look I understand that progress will happen and I have no problem with human progress at all. Mm -hmm. But if you take away someone's right to anonymity, if you take away their right to live off the grid in whatever way they choose to do, that is a Mm -hmm. fundamental problem. To me. And like I was talking about those tin sheds, that cloud, that cloud is not a fluffy thing. It's a massively dangerous thing. Because once they piece together all the parts of your life and your DNA,
0: hmm.
1: and then they modify those people who are good, because the big division now, of course, that's coming out of behavioral units, certainly within the UK government, is that people are no longer left or right. Now they're good or extremists.
0: We're right back in eugenics so, territory now.
1: In that we completely are. Because now, if I, um, it, 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 if I do not agree with the government on a whole range of issues, I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. If I say, I don't want my energy prices to go up to fund a war in Ukraine because I haven't seen a balance sheet yet and they've had $60 billion and, you know, I'm just saying, where did they spend that? Right. I'm a bad person. And, and and that is and that's the road we're going down and that's what started in covid you were yeah. a bad person if you didn't lock down
0: and not even just bad but dangerous but yeah. the point you've made before is that you know you are not just killing grandma but you're you're threatening the lives of people around you or spreading yes. information that's that could drive people to take negative action like the very it's as if this you know fire in a theater narrative on everything everywhere all the time like you can't even say anything that they deem potentially yes. dangerous because now yeah. you're acting in violence it's yes it's, counterintuitive it doesn't make sense
1: yes. and and i was you know <laughs> i've had a number of suspensions on twitter including the great death on uh, october the 31st last year <laughs> when I, I was resurrected by uh, a lot of very good friends who, who, who pushed for that to happen but i hadn't actually said anything bad what mm-hmm. i would said was if you cannot if you can still get it and you can still pass it on then why are the unvaccinated a threat to you they're not
0: exactly and they, they are desperate not to even address that point. I mean, we're now fifty narratives past that. Right now, we're they're jumping over into some new injection and new discussion, and suddenly the middle booster part of it no longer matters. It's only two, and then the new thing. It just it's it they it's they're drowning in this narrative, you know. And
1: the booster, you know, I'm I'm not a doctor. I don't profess to be a doctor, and I do, and I never talk about about the vaccine. As per se, I don't have those statistics I'm not particularly clear on on what that evidence is but I tell you what, if you've just introduced a booster for the original virus that is no longer here and you've only tested it on 8 mice I'm not falling over myself to support Your data on this, and I never will. But I think it should be a personal choice. If you want to get it, blow your hair back. I don't care. Just don't tell me what I should do.
0: Exactly, and that is where I I die on that hill. In every discussion, is it like this? there was an early part of this where people were saying we should stop people from taking these. We shouldn't be allowed to wear a mask. And I said, well, no, no, now you're doing exactly what they're doing in reverse. They always have to have a choice. You can go put arsenic in your body. If you want to, it's your body, right? But it it has to be your choice and you can't force it on the people, you know? So I'm glad you said that because that it, that's almost like an intentional counter narrative to get people to do the same thing where we just want to control your life and make decisions for you. And that can't be allowed.
1: No, I I completely agree with that. (laughs) But, But that's happening. In every single part of, of the UK and Europe right now, you know, we have this 600-pound guy who's lying in a hospital bed and he's threatening to sue the doctors because they're giving him a diet. I'm like, don't give him a diet. It's his choice. I don't care. Right. He wants to eat himself to death. I don't care. And that's what we've done, is that the government has been able to infantilize yes. the entire of their citizenship. And now... Instead of people thinking, you know, it's that old statement, isn't it? Don't ask what your government can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's the speech. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's that way now. Everybody wants to know, what will the government do for me? What will my country do for me? Well, let me help you. I don't think you're entitled to anything. You are entitled to nothing. And when you call it an entitlement, you know, I'm in, entitled to tax rebates, or I'm entitled to government support and help. No, you're not. No, you're not.
0: Yeah, you're, you're entitled to self responsibility, you're entitled to make your That's own right. choices. And yeah, and care. And you know, but there I would argue that there are some things that are are in you know, like, for instance, we could talk from a U.S. perspective and in inherent rights and so on. And these are just like broad ideas that we have the right to free speech and so on. But when it comes down to these these ideas, like you have a right to certain political aspects, like I agree with you. I think this has been an effort to create the situation where it opens the door to them sticking their fingers in this situation and then deciding for you. You know, like the Roe versus Wade conversation, as much as it's super politic, politicized and and important, is exactly used in that way. You know, so it, it opens up the door to where they are arguing that they have a right over these things. And even if it's not very fully defined, the government abuses these situations in any country we're talking about to take more control over your life. And I think yes, history yes. has shown us that over and over.
1: And it is happening in, in in everything, in every country, in a very extreme way. And if you look at little businesses so for example if you're a little seamstress business and you're working in china let's say um what other countries are doing now to stop their imports from china which i understand i get it i get it is they're putting these sdg restrictions and regulations on tiny businesses so i can't go to a car mechanic in denver and ask him what his sdgs are he'll be like I just change tyres and fix engines. Oh well, you can't do that. I want to know what your carbon footprint is. You know, the EU have, are actually about to put legislation through that is the raw materials legislation. Hmm. So I think what's happened is they've obviously seen a little bit of this, uh, <laughs> a little bit of this backlash against cobalt and lithium, hmm. and now, uh, bless her, Ursula's come out and said, oh no 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 no. We're going to have massive legislation now and there will be rules in place about raw material. She stood there wearing a cotton suit. Let me help you, Ursula. There is no single source for cotton. And right now, today, 99% of cotton, even the fair trade stuff, has been picked by children.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that's are
1: Center, the world's cotton comes from Uzbekistan, Pakistan, and India. And they trade those babies, and they start them picking at four years old. So what are you going to do, Ursula? Bank cotton?
0: Right. Exactly. And which would be impossible, right? But but the the interesting... Part and this, I think I actually saw this on your account first. Was the idea of whether we're talking lithium or cobalt? And that's the reference you're making is that you can show examples of these places around the world where children are working, you know, 15 hours a day mining with their hands out of these pits, and and that's going to be a sustainable food. Like they could argue that they might revolutionize that process, but why wouldn't that be where you start if it really matters about helping people? You know, it's
1: it's all a manipulation. The, the problem with that. The problem with that is it goes back to the who and there and the UN and the WE in their sustainable goal package that there will be no poverty well how do you fix that how, how do you fix that because those kids picking cotton yeah they've got a terrible life but if they don't pick cotton their family will starve who's going to pay for them oh you see they'll fix that because they'll all be on digital ID and they'll all get UBI who's going to pay for that oh well you are out of your taxes because you're working but that's okay because you're a good person See, this kind of socialist endeavor, which is like a bastardized version of capitalism, they call it stakeholder
0: capitalism.
1: We've all got our part to play. It's socialism, and it doesn't work. Hmm.
0: I I, I personally think any government that can become centralized like this is a problem from whatever direction. But yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean, that does seem to be exactly what this is. But here's an interesting point as you just made the idea that there. Talking about removing poverty, and you might have seen this clip, and this is from, I think, 2020, 2021, where you have a member of the WHO speaking about not locking down, quarantining in the way that they're already saying they're going to do next, whether for lock for climate change, or which I want to get into next, or anything else, and yet there here they are, the WHO, saying there's one thing these do more than anything, which is make poor people a hell of a lot poorer. And yet this is what they're pushing still to this day. So you can even see the counter, the contradiction of what they say they want to do with what they say it'll accomplish right on the surface. Let me play this clip and then you can give me your comments on it.
2: I want to say it again. Uh, We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific because people aren't taking their holidays. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders. Stop using lockdown as your primary control method. Develop better systems for doing it. Work together together and learn from each other. Mm. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never ever uh, belittle. And that is making poor people an awful lot poorer.
0: Pretty interesting. Any call? Go ahead.
2: Completely correct.
1: Everything he said is exactly what has happened. But I think quite quickly, I, I, I don't even know who started it or when it happened, but suddenly the involvement of the UN, the WEF, changed that very quickly. Mm -hmm. And and like I said to you before, uh, uh, scientists work in a controlled operated lab and that's what they wanted, a controlled country, because you can see how they would think that would work. They just didn't take anything else into account at all, because the scientists are two-dimensional. This is the fact, this is the result.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: work um and it has been an absolute catastrophe an absolute disaster
0: and, and what he, to be clear for those that are on the podcast or watching is that he's talking about the lockdowns, not yes. the COVID-19 situation, that the lockdowns have been a catastrophe, which they're even still in ways pushing back on. That despite all of the peer reviewed science and the observational reality of children, loss of I mean, every possible thing you could imagine, mental health problems, drug addiction. I mean, it that is the real issue right there. And a lot of these things are then being called something else. But that's a different discussion unless you want to comment on it. But I think that that's.
1: But they, but they have a problem, don't they? They have a problem twofold they have a problem legally Hmm. how many lawsuits will they get from those businesses who had to close down and went bankrupt those people with mental health issues that's the first thing and the second is that those evangelists who pushed those lockdowns so hard will never admit they were wrong because they they were so bad you know that they said terrible things to people like they were killers, like you're killing granny, like, you know, refuse Nick, you shouldn't even be allowed out of your house. I mean, these people really were badly behaved and uh, they're never going to admit they were wrong, not ever.
0: I agree. And and this brings, I was just referencing this before, uh, and this is the group that works directly with the UN and Sustainable Goals. Uh, yeah. And this is the discussion of avoiding a climate lockdown. And they talk about, you know, banning red meat, stopping driving and so on you know so even in the face that i mean remember the whole discussion in the beginning of not challenging the who guidelines and it's funny how that just went out the window the moment that they want to challenge what the who is saying yeah. but you can see this overlap and and so let's let's kind of finish the discussion today we're talking about where this is obviously going in regard to the carbon tax and and the great reset direction and how we just came from the digital id the vaccine passport overlap that are clearly being driven in for at least in part I would say dishonest reasons to say it very kindly <laughs> and how it drives into this climate change discussion. And so, you know, where do you see this going? you know, go ahead, give me your thoughts on that.
1: I think this is a very tricky thing because I think it's the same three types of groups all over again and they all stand to gain financially. Mm-hmm. So you've got climate science. Look, three years ago, you couldn't have got any kind of funding, to look into tortoises. Do you know, that'd be a bit tricky. If you now put how climate change is affecting the sex life of a tortoise, you can probably get yourself like 10, 15 million, right?
0: What a a great point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to have any results at the end of it. Right. Right? They don't need anything. It's just research. So there are those scientific bodies that massively stand to gain from the huge amount of money put to one side for climate change research. And if you look at that, I think in the EU it was 600 million euros. Well, that's okay. Have a piece of that. Then you've got the tech firms. Yet again, they make money from this because they can tie it into digital footprint, they can, a digital ID, they can tie it into carbon footprint. They can tie it into citizens' behavior. So they make money out of it. Um, and then you've got your NGOs. Again, those huge corporations, they say they're not for profit, but of course they are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and they're greenwashing. It's good for them. It's just about money and control. I really believe that. I really do. Because you can't talk to me about net zero. It does not work. Not unless you live in a cave. Right. Doesn't work. And and, and this, you were right. You were right. You said if the future is cobalt lithium, why haven't you fixed the supply chain first?
0: Right. Right. Because they don't care about that. Yeah. And, you know. And I I think that it's it's very clear that these. Oh, and by the way, I was going to say that that it's important to point out, and I'm sure you agree that the. What they're doing is not sustainable. It's not green. Like they're, they're using these terms to drive in the idea and sell people on those ideas. And in a way, making people turn and sour against the very idea of sustainability. And that's that, I argue, is even part of this manipulation. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure we don't then re- think that sustainability is bad. They're using that as a vehicle to manipulate, in my opinion.
1: Well, absolutely, because you've probably seen some of my tweets. We don't have a climate emergency. We have an environmental emergency. So if we have an environmental emergency, why are plastics set to grow? So plastics today, about $570 billion. By 2028, that's at $680 billion. By 2030, when you told me there was no more fossil fuel and we were all green, it's gone up to over 800. So if we're still producing plastic for all our stuff, you know, how is that green? And the other point on this is about GDP, which I think is really important and people aren't thinking about. Every single government has to increase its GDP every year to pay its debt, right?
0: Mm -hmm. It is
1: very simple. Now, money is not a law of physics. This is a man-made construct. This is what we have done to ourselves. And the way to drive growth is through buying stuff. It's consumerism. So if you want to save the environment and save the climate, you can't buy as much stuff, which means your country's GDP will go down, which means they can't pay their debt, which means you get poorer. And nobody has told you that.
0: Right. And and this could be seen as one of the potentially engineered collapses that will justify the new direction, the reimagining, the build back better, right? Yes. And that's how I see it. And I don't. I'm not saying that's a guarantee or that can prove that, but we have to see. It's it's very hard to miss how weirdly simultaneous all of these collapses and destructions are from like a mo- a, a, a sectors that aren't even necessarily overlapped, yes, and yet they're simultaneously being destroyed right now. It's it's very easy to see. And I, I,
1: I understand that. I understand that, and I, I think that. Since we fell for it so quickly and we were so easy to control, they have accelerated a program that they couldn't conclude by 2021, right? They gave it till 2018. It was never going to happen because people like you and me are really annoying. Oh, look, (laughs) here's a really good problem. Let's shoehorn this stuff in. And that is what is happening. I I, I am absolutely convinced of that. You look at the IPCC, it was set up by a billionaire socialist, you know? (laughs) Actual billionaire socialist (laughs) got fired from his own board for fraud in the oil markets. You know, they Mm -hmm. their remit was only to tie climate change to man-made actions, Mm -hmm. so they don't take anything else into consideration at all. Every time someone gives me a paper from the IPCC, I say, "What was the question that was asked?" Mm -hmm. You give me the question before you give me the paper that it was written about.
0: Right. And and this is the problem with places like that. Is they got such a such an obvious vested interest in one direction that they do very self-serving research, if you even want to call it that, where they have an endpoint they're already set to. And, gee, I wonder what they're going to find. I mean, even if you think it's being a semblance of honesty to it, there's still confirmation bias. And so it becomes yeah, very complete. obvious. Yeah,
1: complete, complete. And then you look at the media. I I mean, I I, over, I love American media. It's hilarious. Right. But at least you've got two yeah. sides of the coin. In the UK, we just get one stream of propaganda. That's it. You, you're just going to listen to what the government wants you to listen to. And that's it. And I found out recently that um, the BBC set up a group called Albert. And at the bottom of all of our programs is this little black footprint. And what that business does is it works with media companies to produce programs to talk about climate change basically every single program you watch on the tv from drama to romance to whatever it is they shoehorn in all this nonsense
0: of course that's, and that's so incredibly infuriating, and that's how' actually just talking about this name wake up, but all the the media and movies and everything how it, almost at the expense of the content itself will you know as you said, shoehorn in a topic or a character that fits a certain narrative, it doesn't even make sense with the plot, but who cares as long as we sell you on the ideas we want to get in there you know it's, it's, but
1: they're failing, but they're yes. failing. you know yes. that those movies are failing, that narrative is failing. people don't want to be preached to all the time. And they have a very small window of time to get these digital IDs in before it'll be too late. Right. So that's why I think it has been so quickly accelerated is so that they can get it in before people are bored. And, and uh, honestly, uh, can I see our government saying, you know, we're going to give you credits for your energy at the end of next year, but you can only download it on an app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, I don't even know why, but anybody would balk at that. Like, it may not happen, but is it possible? Obviously. I mean, they're out there saying they want things like that. So it becomes impossible to at least ignore the possibility. Yeah, Yeah, I I think I think it's a very clear picture that's been painted. And I think where this goes, and looking end on this point in general is, I mean, you can't have a carbon tax that can be regulated without a digital ID. And then what that leads to is exactly what we're seeing in China right now, which is what they act like they don't want, but yet they salivate and drool at every day, which is the social credit score, which is all this. It's the same thing. Carbon tax is essentially a social credit score and just grading you on that one idea. So if you want to give me last thoughts on, on on how you see that transition from where we are now to that, and maybe just give us a thought on where you see this going, you know, where, whether we'll be able to stop it or, you know, whatever your thoughts you want to end with here. Where
1: it, where it could go hmm. is it could pretty much go where Trudeau wants it to go. Um, That's scary. And, and where Ursula wants it to go and where many people in the UK government want it to go. And frankly, where many citizens want it to go because it makes them a good person, right? right. That's what social credit score is. And if you look at some of that stuff in China where on your app, it shows you the score of the people around you so you don't mix with the wrong people. Yeah, I, I think it could go there. Do I think it will work in the long run? No, because we're humans. Right. We we'll do exactly what we want whenever we want. And if they give us digital credit scores, we'll just barter. You fix my fence, I'll give you honey, right? Because that's how we will work it. I, I, don't, I don't think in the short term, they'll get buy-in for this. In the long term, of course they will. Because your children are already brainwashed, right? You get them at two in a mask and your two-year-old thinks that masks are normal. By the time he's 12, he's going to think Digital ID is normal. By the time he's 18, he's going to think he can only move on a Wednesday because that's what his app tells him.
0: Right, right. I'm g- and I'm glad there's two things you said there. One that I think we, I don't think people are buying it. We need to focus on that positivity and realize that they're trying to sell this and they want us to believe that everyone's on board, but it's not really the case. And at the point you, you focused on there at the end, it, that we're human. And I think that's exactly in large part what they're trying to get rid of. Not yes. necessarily some, you know, just, just simply the idea of the human characteristics that allows yes. people to be vulnerable or, you know, do you have a thought on that?
1: Or difficult. Yeah, they don't want us to be difficult. They want us to be all the same. They yes. want us to just do as we are told because it will be better for us.
0: So they tell and us. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> they tell us. But actually, it will be better for them. Well, it might be in some kind of brain numbed way. I'm sure it is better. You know, you pay less tax, you drive less, you
0: Maybe. use less
1: energy. But actually, People don't want to be the same. They want right. to make mistakes. They want to do different things. They want to be creative and they want to be entrepreneurial. And this will really stop that. It, yeah. it really-
0: I agree, and I mean, I, I say maybe only in the sense that the things that they even say will be what happens. I still don't even think that might not even happen, right? Like they're they're selling you on an idea, and I, I think you're right, though. I think that most people, you know, over the unless the work you're doing continues and the people in last American bag, on independent media, if this wasn't happening, absolutely. I think that over a matter of time, they would wear people down, but I am, I'm hopeful today. I really am based on, you know, the work you're doing and the people out there that are waking people up. And I think that's why this has gotten so clumsy, that's why we can see through so clearly right now, where they're just standing up and saying something and you're like, "Well, this literally contradicts peer-reviewed science, I can see right here you know that didn't that's only happening because of this pushback so i'm a little I feel a level of positivity that we will be able to at least stop this in the near term, and the point is you'll never It'll always continue. They will always circle back and try their agendas from different angles. So yeah, it's about staying vigilant and and the, con, the continuing to stay the course. You know, yeah,
1: so I, that's what I completely think. I agree with you. Absolutely. Stay the
0: course. Thank Keep God. going. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so glad that we had this discussion today because I really want people to continue to check out your work and I, I'd like to have a you know maybe you know come back and have a conversation again in six months and see how much okay. has changed and what's going on. So, um, so any, I- any, any last thoughts you have for anybody out there? Any upcoming work or or share your social media links for anybody
1: uh well they can follow me at bernie's tweets um and i'm just trying to bring sense and balance to 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 what you're being told that's it really
0: i think you're doing a great job bernie bernadette and i do i do think that you're reaching people quite a bit more than even they want you to see like i'd even argue that the people following your account is probably way more than it even looks like today and we know those things are very clearly happening the manipulation the censorship it's everywhere so keep doing what you're doing and keep poking through thank Thank you you for being here today Thanks a lot. And as always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions.
1: Question everything.
0: Stay vigilant.